What's up, world? Welcome to the Dig on Doug podcast. I'm your host, Doug, and I'm going to be bringing you episodes all about having fun, real, and deep conversations. So I hope you enjoy, and let's get digging. What's up? What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the Dig on Doug podcast. Super excited to have y'all back listening to another episode. Uh, shout out to my big bro, Levon, who's been pounding these episodes down and listening to them uh, on his way to work. Really appreciate you, bro. <laughs> Um, today on this episode, I have a very good uh, friend. It's always interesting how you can meet people for a short amount of time and it can feel like you, you've met them, you've known them longer than you actually known them as far as time. And one of my professors, um, Dr. Drew, who was at uh, St. Mary said, it's, it's about the impact of time more than the actual time that when you meet people and everything in your life. And I feel like um, that's one of the people who, um, Kenny, who's here today, um, who will be sharing her road of uh, therapy and, and just all the great work that she does. She's been in the field um, helping youth and families for over 15 years um, doing therapeutic work and transforming people through their strengths and relationships and really helping them to find um, their agencies and their communities to, to build uh, healthy identities of self and everything. And so it's, it's a very great honor um, to have her here today. Kenny, it's such a great honor to have you here. Welcome to the Dig on Doug podcast. Thank you. It's so good to be here. And, you know, I appreciate this opportunity to share about this and mental health and, um, and about our, you know, what our young people are dealing with and what, you know, especially during this time, yeah. how our mental health is being impacted. So thanks for having me. Oh, that's such a pleasure. I mean, mental health is so huge and it's, it's, it always baffles me. One of the things I've been, I, I understood recently and uh, was talking, been talking to people about, you got to think this country, um, honestly, this country, mental health is still just a new thing. Yes, um, it's, it's for really, sure. It's, it's not too, too new of a concept. People are still understanding it. Um, there's, we're trying to destigmatize it and everything and what, what it means. So, if you could just share with us, um, how did you get into into the field of mental health and why? You know, um, I think it's it's interesting because I think I people ask me this question all the time, and I kind of think, well, where do I start, right? Mm-hmm. And I, for me, being a therapist is being a healer. For me, being a therapist is a calling, and so very different than maybe some other professions. Or for me, it really has been something that has lended. It just made sense in a lot of ways. Um, And so I guess it really started when I was quite a bit younger. And and I would say that this is true for some other therapists as well. But having deal with some of their own familial conflicts, Mm -hmm. uh, difficulties that have happened in our own lives, and sometimes feeling like, man, I wish, I really wish I had a high school or college counselor or a therapist actually in high school to help me through a really, really, really challenging time in my life where there was a ton of conflicts at home, mm-hmm. separation, you know, some abuse stuff, like just a lot. And, you know, and being first generation born here, dealing with um, some cultural differences with my parents and trying to find a place. And so I think as I went through my own journey and um, moving into college I actually started I actually wanted to be a juvenile probation officer which is interesting um I I think I gravitated towards working a lot with 
the juvenile justice system, but not so much the system, more so the young people. Yeah. I really gravitated towards working with young people who were struggling, who were having a difficult time, very much like I was a young person at yeah. one time having a difficult time. And so that was very clear that that, that was an area that I wanted to work. Um, mm -hmm. And I studied sociology as an undergrad, sociology and law, thought about maybe going to law school. Oh, okay. Found out the system is not about justice, decided not to go to law school. It was like my second year in college and I took like um, a law and society class and you had to go over cases and literally how you threw out cases was pulling out the semantics that didn't match up, right? Mm -hmm. The words that if there was something in a case where this piece of the segment of, you know, this particular case didn't match up, oh, you throw out that case, you win the case. And I was like, wait a minute. So this wow. isn't about justice. Yeah. They're like, good news, bad news. And I was like, I'm glad I found out sophomore year in undergrad, right? Yeah. So decided, and I went into um, some youth activism work uh, coming out, moving back to San Francisco. I'm born and raised in San Francisco. So, okay. you know, coming home to the Bay Area, I did a lot of youth empowerment work, um, community-based work in education. And I just saw that my role really was about and my strength was in that one-on-one -on -one interpersonal relationship. The yeah. depth of the relationship was where I saw a lot of the healing happen. Mm -hmm. And that was before I was a therapist. I was like program coordinator for um, a youth program, right? Mm -hmm. And I was doing some like teacher education development stuff too. But I just saw the gift, the gift yeah. that young people were giving me in every interaction, every moment. Mm -hmm. And not just the difference that I could make, but also the reciprocity of that relationship. You know, and I think about that and that theme comes into play even now when I, the way I do therapy, I'm incredibly collaborative in the therapy process. I think about my clients as experts in many ways in coming with X amount of years that they have lived their life. Right. And then, yes, I'm coming as a quote unquote expert. And I don't even really love that term because I yeah, feel yeah, like it's the constant growth. But I mean, it, like, you know, folks kind of see you that way. Like, you know, something I don't know. Help me. Right. Exactly. So it's um, so quote unquote expert in understanding, like how to help them through whatever it is that is their struggle, like trauma, depression, anxiety, what it might be. And when I think when we come together in supporting them through that process, that's when the breakthroughs happen. Yeah. You know, it's when two, because it's not just two people, it's two minds coming from two very different lenses, mm -hmm. but with a very similar intent or goal. And yeah. then those are kind of the moments the breakthrough happens. And so um, I also think I'm lucky in the sense that I'm pretty intuitive. You know, it does make my job a bit easier because I can, <laughs> I'm super empathetic, but also quite intuitive. So yeah. when I sit, in a room with somebody when I, I I'm there, mm -hmm. you know, you think about therapy one-on-one, it's like be present, but we're not just talking be about present. being present, right? Yeah. We're talking about like, I'm here, like right here with you, mm -hmm. hand in hand, let's do this together. And I really think about therapy like that. Yeah, no, it's, it's real. So you're definitely touching on that piece of you getting a glimpse of kind of like the work you wanted to do younger in life as a youth. I, I try to tell people, students who I work with all the time, sometimes if you look back at your life, you can really find those moments of the, the you that you're working towards, even though you maybe didn't see it. Because even myself, 
when I started working and like first job out of high school was like working at Carl's Juniors. Um, before that, I worked, uh, I worked a lot of retail, but just natural, even in high school and stuff, people would come and ask me questions and like want <laughs> feedback and all this right. stuff. I, I never I never thought about that as therapy or like giving somebody help. I just right. counseling advice, you know, and you're like, why don't we just get paid to do that? Because <laughs> That's natural. Like, can we get paid to do that? Yes, that's a great idea. Like you said, it's just connecting and helping somebody. Yeah, because definitely. for a long time of my educational life was want to be a video game designer. Like that was like my goal. Mm. Like, I want to make video games. But then I found I like to say the field of therapy, counseling, and all that stuff found me. Mm. So just go go into that of like a little bit more depth of working with youth and, and building community and all that stuff. And like what that really did for you as a person and then um, growing your career past there. Mm -hmm. um, I remember, so some of the work that I've done is in uh, working with foster youth and foster okay. care system. I've worked in Juvenile Hall in San Mateo County, San Francisco County. And so I've worked with some pretty high at risk youth, you know, mm -hmm. usually co-occurring like substance abuse, um, abuse yeah. history, um, di mental health diagnosis. And you can go real, real clinical, right? But it's yeah. like, but that's not what it's about, right? Mm -hmm. It's about the person is suffering. Yeah. Like with every young person that I've worked with and every person I would say that I've worked with who comes and sees me, they're suffering, they're hurting. Mm -hmm. Right. And I want to acknowledge that pain, emotional, mental, cognitive pain, that kind of pain, it can hurt more than breaking your leg. You know, and I've heard this from, I, I've never broken my leg. But I've heard this from clients, right, who have, like, broken oh, a bone or bursted yeah. their appendix or something, right? Yeah. And they're like, the pain that I feel from what my mom had done to me mm. hurts me every day. It, yeah. I don't – it does – I'm not healed. And that pain hurts me so much more than when my appendix bursts. And so I say this because just around the stigmatization, there's, like, this thing where – if you if you break a leg then people yeah. like bring you gifts they write on your cast they like mm -hmm. come to the hospital they're like oh my god do you need anything they'll you know drive you to get groceries right but then if you're like i'm clinically depressed i can't get out of bed i can't i'm having a hard time cooking for myself you know yeah. getting my work done people are like man they're just going through it again or like so and so, there's this judgment and there's this view yeah. about that not being suffering or pain or illness and i'm continuing and this is a stigma piece where i'm like just for a moment compare the pain that someone mm -hmm. might feel even i mean when we think about heartbreak yeah people talk everyone can relate to this right mm -hmm. a really really deep deep-seated heartbreak feels like someone stabbed you in the heart yeah it's not a coincidence it's not it's real and yeah. it, it feels as real as if you're physically being like hit in the heart mm -hmm. right and there's a reason for that and it, biologically in our brain there are actually uh, biochemical changes that are actually occurring you know like you can really look at mri side and side and see the things that light up and and it and so the, it's the social construct that mental and emotional pain is not as painful as physical pain. But I think another thing to think about is we are all, it's all in our body, our physical body, our mental brain, our, the hormones running through our, our, you know, our body and our mind, 
there's no separation. We are all connected and including, I think, our spiritual beings for those, you know, some more than others, but definitely mental, emotional, physical, they are all in one. And so continuing to get comfortable with that, I yeah. think we can't separate it and continuing not continuing to see it as we are all these things. You know, that's, that's real. I've never thought of it in that sense. Like I love the picture you paint of, you know, you have a broken bone or you have an illness and you're in the hospital, like people come and visit you. Like you say, like they sign the cast and all that stuff, mm -hmm. but it's the same thing when you're going to therapy and all that stuff. And I think as a culture, especially here in the U S we are so unintuned with our feelings. Yeah. We don't even know how to deal with anybody else's feelings. Like mm -hmm. what to say, like, Oh, pat on the back. You, you went, you went to therapy or something. It's, it's mm -hmm. so weird. And so, dealing with our emotions and as deep as you just illustrated them to be is, is, is so saddening that we don't know how to deal with, with our, with our emotions and everything like that. And so stigmatizing like that, it's, it's in the sense of like when people go to the doctors and the doctor asks them if there's anything uh, else wrong with them and we're instant, like, we'll say like, Oh no, we're fine. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with when we're dealing with, like you said, a heartbreak or something or the depression and we're just like, Oh no. Okay. Like I'm good. Um, yeah. talk about working with those feelings and everything and those emotions as, as in, in a whole. So, you know, it's interesting. I have these feeling cards and I, I use them with my seven year olds and I use them with my 50 year olds, right? <laughs> they're, they're no different. And there's the reason, there's a reason for that. And the yeah. piece you speak to about not knowing how to articulate emotions, not being able to identify or feel into them, right? Mm -hmm. Some of the foundation of the work that I do, at least in the way that I work, is beginning to not just feel into those emotions, be able to name them. Yeah. Because we can be like sad, happy, angry, you know, yeah. stressed. Yeah. Stress is now an emotion, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> People are like, I'm stressed. And that just encompasses like whatever that encompasses. Yeah. I'm like, oh, stress is now a new category of emotion. Um, but, you know, usually it's like some basic four. And even then they're like, I don't even really know. Right? Like, because anger is a surface emotion. Yeah. Underneath anger is often pain. Mm -hmm. It's like being hurt. It's sad. Right? It's the vulnerability of the of the other emotions that we cannot show. So anger is way easier, right? Yeah. So that's an example. But I'll start to say, take anger. And I'll say, well, is it more frustration? Is it, a, is it annoyance? Mm -hmm. Is it, is it, and then being able to kind of find the more detailed aspects of what's actually happening. And so beginning to reflect back like, and help them see what's actually happening and then being able to identify where their triggers are, yeah. you know, what's causing it. And so I think feelings, feelings 101, same process with my five-year-olds and seven-year-olds as my 50-year-olds because it's not taught. It's not really, it's not a standard. And I, I educate my, um, my parents too. You know, mm -hmm. I, I've done a lot of, um, parent coaching on working with adolescents because okay. it's one of the most difficult transitional periods for parents as yeah. well as for the teen. Mm -hmm. um, and I, so some of the things that I teach them is, you know, how for teens, like how to articulate your emotion and teaching parents about how to reflect back emotions. And part of the process with family therapy is that you are, you are connecting 
it's like the parents often are relearning their and unlearning childhood patterns that have been unhealthy mm-hmm. because what will happen is the pattern will show up. So when there's trauma or when there's, you know, a way that we're raised, we just think that's normal. Yeah. And that could have been like alcoholic parent. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they follow the pattern, become an alcoholic parent or they reject it. They, you know, so it's usually very polarized. Yeah. And so, and that's how kind of how human beings will cope. They'll polarize emotions, mm-hmm. all or nothing, bad or good. Like I won't, I'll be everything my parents weren't. Yeah. I'll raise my kids completely different or I will. And then without not paying attention, wake up one day and realize they're just like their parents. Yeah. Right? And this pattern is so common, right? And so some, sometimes what I'm doing in therapy is helping them break patterns. I think a lot of times people come and see me because they're like, this isn't working for me or I'm not happy or I'm seeing this thing play out again. I don't know how to stop it. I don't know how to do something different. And so, you know, my, my area that I really do a lot of work around is trauma work because trauma, everyone's experienced trauma. Yeah, exactly. It's just the spectrum of the severity and it's the spectrum of what areas of trauma yeah, and, right? how long and so and everything. yeah all of that and so um so i do i come from a trauma lens in this mm-hmm. in the respect that i'm looking at the ways that the little t traumas or big t yeah. traumas have affected the person and a lot of times it shows up in our relationships you know mfts really i kind of see us as like relational experts okay um we're marriage and family therapists right and so mm-hmm. we we're really looking at relationships attachments um and so all our emotional stuff gets flared up Mm -hmm. either with our parents with our kids or with our partners yeah that's like that's usually how it all comes (laughs) up so we're gonna look at those three areas right Mm -hmm. with your family your parents siblings maybe more so parents partners and children and and we dive in we, we like I and I get right in there with them because my my goal is for clients not to be with me forever. At least my yeah. my modality. Yeah. I'm like I want you to I want you to get better. You know I want you yeah. to like try this and see if you can do it on your own and really help them develop self agency and. It's like you don't you don't want them to be in the cast forever. Yeah, definitely not. You know I want them and I want them to know and learn the skills for self healing. Yeah. So that when they maybe come up against, you know, this might not be the first relationship they're in. Yeah, this might, you know, they're probably going to meet somebody else, and or Mm -hmm. maybe it is who they end up with. But um, they are then able to take what they've learned, maybe unlearn some of those unhealthy patterns, and then try again. And hopefully, it's like better the second round, and then new layers show up, and then we're like, oh, let's peel away these new layers and keep working at healing and bettering ourselves and you know really kind of i think life is kind of self-discovery you know mm-hmm. it's like oh, we, yeah, definitely. we're constantly like discovering new things the moment we think we figured it out boom <laughs> something hits us always like that right something hits us and we're like damn it i thought i had that figured out and it's yeah. like no, no you didn't <laughs> ex- ex- exactly so like i would definitely encourage people um listening to this to check out uh the emotion wheel right it's the, yeah you know, definitely check that out um it's it's a huge game changer when you can go 
beyond the surface level of what anger and everything is and what sadness and real, really be able to look at those layers. Um, I want to get your idea on this concept. Um, I wish it was my original own. Um, I will give all credit to Jada Pickett-Smith who said this. Uh, she said, relationships teach you more about yourself than the other person. This is on Red Table. That's her show, right? She was on, I think she was on The Breakfast Club when she did it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, man. So, you know, this would be a whole podcast about this. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, people that come into our lives are reflecting back to you what it is you're meant to learn about yourself. Mm. So they're often a mirror. Some Mm. of the most challenging relationships that we have in our lives are our greatest teachers. Mm. Yeah. And even projection. Projection is somebody projecting their own shit onto the other person, right? Yeah. And the other person's like, usually the reaction you get is like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Like, ugh. Like you you have a visceral response yeah. to that. You know why? Because it's about you. Yeah. If you look inside about what just happened there, you're judging because you are, they're judging you. And when you feel that, you're like, damn, I know when I'm judgmental. Mm-hmm. When they're doing something and they're reflecting onto you some stuff about them, you have a visceral reaction because it's about you too. Yeah. So that's such no, a I, yeah, right? I mean, no, I have a friend who um, she would tell me she would get so mad at uh, at her like her youngest like son and daughter, mm-hmm. and like, she, but she she knew it because she was like, oh my god, they make me so mad because I see myself mm-hmm. in, in them. them. And so, like, especially as a kid and all that stuff. And so she would get mad, but she's like, how mad can I really get? Because that was me when I was mm. their age. I think about, I recently, uh, so on my wellness page, I like things that come to mind or whatever, like I'll post about and write about. Yeah. One of the things I, I wrote maybe half a year ago or something was about maybe my own reflection about maybe why I haven't chosen to have children yet. It's just an interesting thing where I'm like, oh God, there's so many ways that it can go wrong. And it's like, because I know so yeah. much about child rearing and what can happen and adolescence and all that, I think in some ways it's deterred me slightly from mm, taking sense. the plunge. Um, and really what it takes to be the parent that I yeah. want to be. Right? Yeah. So I was thinking about children as um, teachers. Mm. And one of the things that I came to was maybe I have chosen not to have children yet because I still have so much learning to do Mm. that I'm not maybe ready to embark on that journey. And then the realization was like, oh, but consider maybe the next part of your journey is thinking about your child as your teacher and what you can gain from that. And, And actually, it was interesting. There was like a tipping point for me at that moment of being like, could I be a mom? Maybe. And so there was like this coinciding moment that that happened, but I just thought that was an interesting Yeah, no, I mean, me. I, I think about that and like, you know, futurely being a parent and everything. And I, I think about it in the support sense of like, wow, like all the stuff I know now about mm-hmm. like the stuff I didn't get as a child and support and, and opportunities. And I was having a, a conversation with a friend about this recently when great parenting part of what i believe great parenting is is allowing your kids the space to fail so they can come back um so many people so many so many people in the world are are living on survival mode where like they almost can't can't choose to fail because there's there's not that space there's not that growth to fail and i think about having kids and i'm like 
to be able to give them that space and that support so much earlier than like when I got it can leap bound them so much further than um, where I was, um, even when they're little. So mm-hmm. I definitely understand what you're saying. I think sometimes being a therapist to me has felt like being a parent to yeah. teens, to being a mentor, to being like, and the thing is, it's actually not unusual that what comes up in your own life that's a struggle will show up in the room in therapy. Yeah. It's almost a place that it plays out. <laughs> like, and that's great. You know, they play, assuming your therapist is good, right? It plays out and you're able to work through it there. So then you don't like vomit all over your partner or you don't like, you know, have it spew all over work, right? It's a Mm -hmm. contained space to work through your shit. Like, that's important. We all need that. We have a bathroom to do that for our own bowel movement, right? You need a mental, emotional place to to (laughs) shit on, like, to handle your shit so you can be better in the world. I I mean, I'm so sorry. Like, I mean, slogan. (laughs) Like, I I mean, I, I think sometimes it's helpful to, like, simplify it. Like, yeah. Sometimes it is that simple, like, go handle your shit so you can step out and do what you need to do. Mm -hmm. That is a place for you to do that. And, you know, I've had clients, like, apologize to me, like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I came in here and just, like, dumped all this stuff on you. And I was like, well, that's kind of my job. Yeah. That's okay. And Mm -hmm. they're like, but I feel so much better. And I'm like, great. And then there's some who will come in and just be, like, perpetual complainers. Just be, Mm -hmm. like, stuck and just, like complaining and there are times where i'll be like so we could keep doing that you could keep paying me to just come in here and complain however you could do that with a wall which you don't have to pay for yeah so is there a point that you would like to make it consider making a change mm-hmm. do you want to do something different do you want to live a different life do you want to continue living this life yeah because you can't and so there's you know some i see my i see therapy as like an art and a science yeah oh yeah i, I look the you same know, like you're very much dancing mm-hmm. um you know you're bringing so much knowledge as well and information and all these things but you're also like creating and moving and yeah you know, growing together. And so I, you know, I think for me to be a therapist is really my, I'm so honored, right? Like I feel like I'm very grateful to my clients because it's an honor to have a glimpse in the intimate life of my clients to be able to help them heal in the world. And that, and that is a gift, I think. Yeah. Oh, no, that's, that's powerful to be in those moments for somebody to allow you in to, Spaces that maybe they haven't even shared with their their partner who they've been with 15, 20 plus years. Yeah. Yeah. And I never take that for granted. Never. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's, it's huge. And so people understanding the importance of what therapy can be and and how therapy in itself, and we were talking about this before we we started uh, recording, how it is a relationship as well and your first one isn't going to be your 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 end all be all mm-hmm. so like just talk about that and, and having to go through the process with that and how people should try to try to handle that aspect yeah i you know i um when i get like referrals or someone reaches out to me my goal is to help them find the best fit yeah even if i've never met them i don't know who they are mm-hmm. um i'll tell them interview a bunch of therapists Find out, you know, get a feel for them. 
Yeah. You know, you're, it's so important. It's like you, you should interview them. It's like finding a job that's the right fit, but even more Are, important than that. Am I dating them? Semi. Yeah, semi. sort of. Yeah. I, I think that there's, it's like you're vetting, right? You're yeah. vetting the mm-hmm. right person. And because it is a very intimate relationship and it's very unique. And so, um, I actually, I was saying that on my website, I have, um, tips on finding the right therapist, mm-hmm. right? That's the only article that I have on there because I think it really starts there. Yeah. Um, asking the right questions, going in there, having, because oh, there's all this psychological jargon and it's yeah. like, yeah. it's not stuff that the typical person understands or knows, except mm-hmm. it all relates to something that everyone has experienced. It's yeah. just jargon. And mm-hmm. so it's like, so I think it, it's good to educate yourself a little bit about like, oh, what do those things mean? You yeah. Know? And the right questions you want to ask, like something like theoretical orientation. <laughs> okay, great. Theoretical orientation ultimately means like, how does a therapist work? What is their lens that they work on? Yeah. And in the world of psychology, there are many theoretical orientations that therapists function under. Mm-hmm. And some and, and it is important to kind of know what their theoretical coordination is and what it is because you're going to know if that fits you or not. So I can give you a brief, very brief example. So psychoanalysis or psychodynamic, well, psychoanalysis is ultimately the Freudian style of psychotherapy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is a three times a week, you sit on the couch, laying down the myth, misnomer that people have about therapy and the therapist just has you free associate they call it so free association is they just they're talking and talking and talking until they kind of come to their own realizations therapist might do a little bit of like interpretation here and there but it's ultimately that Mm -hmm. and for some that's great but that does not work for everybody Mm -hmm. and so thinking about somebody else who may be more like active like what would you do getting homework as in between the sessions you know so i think it's important to think about who you are what works for you? What's the relationship style that you want to have with this person? Um, and important to ask those questions and find that out. So asking like, what's your style? Like, how would you describe yourself as a th- therapist? What's a typical session like? Yeah. Are you trauma trained? You know, I thinking about what you're going in there for. Um, understanding and knowing getting their credentials not just like credential credentials but like what are your thoughts about how you would treat um a a couple like what would be your approach what do you think is the most important thing Mm -hmm. you know these are questions that i love it when potential clients ask i'm like oh great you did your homework and i I, because i find that now as I, you know, I do like a free consultation with every potential client. And this is the reason because I want them to have a feel for whether this is going to be the right fit for them. And, yeah. and it's not personal at all, you know? Um, and so, because what happens when you have the right fit is that I'm actually able to be the most effective as well. Mm-hmm. You know, my clients get better because I'm the right therapist for them. Yeah. And you have, and that's your right to find the right person for you. And you do, it is a little bit of a growing process, and I think you can grow out of your therapist too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we don't always talk about that, but like you grow and you change, and you're like, great, I got all that I was meant to get from that relationship. Yeah. That therapist or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then maybe it's time to either try it on your own or tackle a different area of your life with like a different strategy. So, yeah. you know, yeah. 
No, that that's huge. And like you were talking about the theoretical orientation and what was going off in my head, and maybe this will help some people as well. Think about it as a martial art. Mm-hmm. It's the different martial arts. There's there's karate, there's mm-hmm. jitsu, there's taekwondo, there's muay thai, like there's boxing, there's so many different arts and therapies mm-hmm. just like that. And so it's finding some something that really encompasses you and what you're looking for. And it's gonna take some trial runs and everything. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first get, got into therapy, um, when I was in, in uh, grad school for counseling as well, and I went to like a therapist and all of this stuff, and I was just like, this just does not feel right. Like he's not picking up on mm-hmm. anything. He's making assumptions off of mm-hmm. stuff that aren't really assumptions. And I was like, yeah. okay, like I'm fine. And I don't have to go back. And then I did research and all that stuff and found me a therapist and stuff that really was beneficial for me and, and my growth and development and everything. So it's going to, it's going to take time guys. Um, anybody listening, well, guys and gals, um, to really find that therapist and to, to really go down that road. So I really encourage you to, to do that work, um, to, to do that because we all need. And once, once I got into therapy and I was like, Oh my God, it is so beautiful to have somebody outside of my friends, family, school, work, all the different lives we're in that I can talk to and go and just share all the stuff and let so much stuff go and being able to be open because then that allows me to be a more active person in all those other realms. Yeah. Yeah. You get to show up in your life Yeah, in a different way, you know, and, and it, it does help that it's fully confidential, you yeah. know, as talking to your friends and family, like technically they, could, yeah, they could keep your secret, but they might not, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, they don't really, they're not really bound to have yeah. to keep it confidential. So, you know, and they, and they're in your life for a reason. Mm-hmm. They're supposed, like, they're supposed to be in your corner, right? Yeah. They're supposed to be like, yeah, like, fuck that bitch, da, da, da. you know, like, <laughs> that's their job. Like, they're supposed to be your person, you know, and yeah. In therapy, it's to gain mm-hmm. perspective. It's yeah. to understand that, okay, when I'm out of pocket or when I'm saying something that actually is not in the best interest for myself, but I'm just really caught up in my own thoughts and emotions, yeah. your therapist's job is also to, is to challenge that, is to be like, hey, let's take a step back and look at that, right? Yeah. Or when you are doing something healthy or you are like right on track to be supportive of your healing process, to be like, yes, go like, and let's deepen that, you know? And so they are helping you learn where to step on the gas and where to pull back. Mm-hmm. You know, they're helping you learn. They're seeing, they're, they're, they're the balance that often clients come in unbalanced. Yeah. So they're helping, they're helping us recalibrate. You're helping mm-hmm. you recalibrate. And when your car is out of alignment, you recalibrate, you know? And so again, it's not about something wrong with you or you have issues or you are crazy. It's not even about that really. We're all crazy. Yeah. (laughs) True. One way or another. And if you, and if you think you aren't, you're the worst of them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you know, like it's, growing it's like that recalibration you know things in our lives happen to us that throw us off the balance Mm -hmm. and so how do it's a way to rebalance and when we're balanced we are at our optimal you know Mm -hmm. we are the most productive we're the happiest we choose the best partners we're able to connect with people we take care of ourselves i mean just i mean the list goes on right yeah when we're able to 
strike the balance. Yeah, no, we definitely need a like a commercial for therapy that <laughs> that, that has like all the beneficial aspects that you can like really get from it. Like yeah. you're gonna be happier, like more joy, and know that this comes with time. It's not instant. Yeah, but I love it that. Takes, it's work. I mean, yeah. it is. You you got to You have to be willing to. Yeah, to do the like, work you just can't it. walk in there and be like, "Fix me." Right, and that's another thing. I you know, therapists don't actually give advice. I mean, they're yeah. not. But we'll do like psychoeducation, right? We'll be like, well, for other clients or other situations or generally, this has been effective. Mm -hmm. um, but this is the thing that I love about the work I get to do with clients is like sometimes watching them fail. Mm -hmm. And I know we talked about that with kids. And, yeah. you know, I see that with clients where I'm like, my job is not to save them. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, my job is to help them learn what they're meant to learn. And sometimes they're pretty adamant about the choice they want to make, even if I'm like, mm, history shows that that trajectory <laughs> is not going to probably create the results that you're thinking will happen. Yeah. However, you have choice in what you need, like, need to do mm -hmm. for yourself right now. So sometimes yep. I watch them fail. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't ever go like, told you so. That's not my job, yeah. right? It's to be like, great. Okay. What did we gain or learn in that moment? What's the lesson? That's that's the key point to any of that stuff. And I love your analogy of, you know, driving through life and, you know, we get off balance. We get, you know, we need that realignment and everything. And so there's so much going on right now with the COVID, with um, civil rights and injustice and, yeah. and across the globe and everything. Absolutely. And so. Um, what is, what is your advice or what, 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 what are you, have you been mm. feeling and everything with everything that's been going on right now? Man, that's a really big question. Um, <clears throat> I think for me and racial and social justice is very much a part of my work. You know, mm -hmm. I come from most of the clients that I work with are folks of color. It's something very important to me. Um, most of my uh, my couples are mixed race couples dealing with their own familial stuff and trauma and how it shows up in their relationship. So for me and my own mission, that's something that's important. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it's more than ever, I've continued to look at the ways I can be healthy and it's been challenging. It really has. The things that were working before, um, aren't working in the same way now, some of which is because I can't really leave the house the same yeah. way, right? So we're really restricted by the realities of what we're up against. Mm -hmm. Oh, we're bombarded by the news. We're triggered left and right. So one of the things that's happening for a lot of folks of color right now, particularly Black folks, is re-traumatization mm -hmm. and triggers and activate activations of the protective factors that have existed to you know, ultimately protect them. Yeah. And so defenses, I want to say this about defenses, defenses too, is that defenses are bad. Mm -hmm. Defenses exist to protect you. Yeah. We numb out to protect us, right? Yeah. And, and, and yet the chronic level of numbing, it, it can cause this ailment ultimately because you're suppressing what needs to come out. Yeah. And so, so for some folks, what's happening right now is the intense activation, activation is causing all the things that they could numb, they could mm -hmm. defend, they could push down to, to really, to burst at the seams. Yeah. And on one end, it's like better, 
better out than in. But on another end, it's like, man, it's a lot. Yeah. You know, it's too much. And so I think it's so important right now to take care of each other. Mm-hmm. You know, find, cut the losses for the things that people or situations that do, are not taking care of you. Yeah. You know, it, the stakes are high, you know, and you matter and your well-being matters and we need you. Mm-hmm. So create the space and the circle that is going to help you heal. And right now is a pivotal point where what it used to look like, what it looked like four weeks ago may not be what it looks like anymore. Five weeks ago, six weeks ago. And and it's okay. Like if your world is being turned upside down right now, it's time to um, Mm -hmm. recalibrate, you know? And so it's an invitation to recalibrate. It's an invitation to take another look with a different lens and to hold yourself in the, in the highest regard that you can because you matter. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's definitely huge. Like, especially that, that evaluating of your surroundings and your community and, and, you know, our folks around you helping you are, are they causing more stress? I know one of the things that picked up um, once we went into um, shut, shelter in place and everything was there was an uptick up hike in um, domestic violence and everything and, and, and dealing with all of that. And then, yes. mm-hmm. uh, just everything that's going on. Like I've, I've been saying in a sense, like with the shelter in place, we're almost not built as humans in our normal lives to be around each other this much. Yes, I agree. And so we're seeing a lot of that. And if you just wanted to touch on that topic and everything as well. Yeah. So there's, there's definitely have been an influx in child abuse as well as domestic violence. Um, you know, there's an interesting, a lot of times school is a protective place for children, yeah. you know, and I know that we don't often think about that. And, and that is the reality. You know, a lot of times school is the break that children get from their dysfunctional and unhealthy households. Yeah. The realities are, are many, not many, but a portion of our children are dealing with abusive households. Mm-hmm. And that could be domestic violence as well. Witnessing yeah. domestic violence okay. has shown to have very detrimental impacts on our children. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another topic. Um, <laughs> but it is, there has been an increase. And I think one of the things is what that's shown up is increased awareness. Yeah. So people who may have never thought about domestic violence, maybe they don't endure it. Maybe it's not in the forefront of their mind, mm-hmm. but it is, it's now something we have to pay attention to like oh my goodness and i think what there's more resources that are going out there and the reality is some and also sometimes for those who are in the situation it has been the motivation for them to figure out how to leave Mm. because prior to this they're again they they go to work, their yeah. kids go to school, right? So for some, yeah. So for some victims and some families, this situation has caused them to say like, oh my God, I got to get out. I got to get out. Like they feel more trapped than they even mm-hmm. usually would. And they are noticing and how it's in their face, the impact and the severity. And so it has um, caused some to actually say, I'm grabbing my kids and I'm getting out of here mm-hmm. um, because it's just, it's so bad. Yeah. And, and then for others, it is the isolation has worsened. Yeah. So the ability to isolate your partner has become easier. 
So there's a number of ways that it's showing up on that regard. Yeah. You know, I was talking, I know I was talking with a friend and they were saying how a friend of theirs, they're having a tough time as a couple right now because normally they, they put themselves on opposite schedule. Like somebody works in the morning somebody works in the evening mm-hmm. and it's just tension in, 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 the, in the relationship. And now they're both at home and it just causes this, this tension and everything. And, mm-hmm. and again, it goes back to what we talked about earlier, not dealing with our own emotions and what we're feeling and, and being real about those and having opportunities to go to a therapist. And, you know, like you said, just, dump everything out and, and, and have that and see where you can move forward from there. And so, um, so much opportunity for growth in this moment. And I was just thinking mm-hmm. about this right now is just because everything happens in the world and life and everything for a reason, for the most part. And so maybe this is a, a huge period for us to see our ills as, as individuals and get opportunity to work on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's true for sure. If you're able or willing to look, right? Yeah, I think some exactly. of that is like one's choice as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I have heard from parents, a lot of parents actually, they feel really grateful for this time they mm-hmm. have with their children. Yeah. You know, a lot of times what happens for parents is after their kids start going to school and they're mm-hmm. school age, there's this um, missing or longing for that. Like, I wish my baby, I wish I had my baby back, right? <laughs> you know, that comes up a lot. And in some ways, um, for our parents, they get their, you know, seven, nine, ten-year-olds. Yeah. They, they get, it's kind of like having them back again. Mm-hmm. And so I've heard from a lot of parents like, oh, it's been so nice to, yeah. as hard as it is, because they're with me the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, I'm also like, this is so unique. To, yeah. to be home with them, to have the time with them, to not have to be at work constantly and feeling like I don't have enough time with my kids. And I feel like in some ways it's been a gift to be able to have this time together. So yeah, I've no. heard that piece as well. Yeah, because I've heard that from like people who are in sports and coaches and athletes and everything. Yeah, that right. Around their families and stuff more. And like, like I know one of the uh, guys I was talking to, he was talking about how it's it's been a, a blessing to be around his wife more. Um, because usually he's recruiting and, and he's going and doing trainings and workouts and all this stuff for mm-hmm. for his sport. And so to actually be home and and almost in the sense he was saying it's a it's a second wave or third wave of like dating her and really figuring out who she is and everything is such a such a That's beautiful really sweet. Thing. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I do. It's interesting that you mentioned kind of like the redating component because it's some of what I do with my couples, too, mm-hmm. you know, because. By the time they're in my office, they want to kill each other. <laughs> I mean, I am playing full-on traffic cop sometimes. Like, oh, I've wow. had moments where I've had to, like, stand up and be like, okay, y'all need to sit down. Like, <laughs> it's, it can get really intense. Couples therapy can get really intense. And I want to say, like, it, it's not just – it really is an expertise. Like, yeah. you know, find a couples therapist that does couples work. Um, mm-hmm. It's very important. But sometimes, some of the work that I do with them is after I get them to be able to sit in – their places and not yeah. uh, constantly back in their corners, like, yeah, be like okay hold on here's your talking stick let's just take a breather you know yeah. um sometimes oftentimes actually what i'll do is i'll you know begin to ask them about their journey mm-hmm. like what was it about this person that you loved that yeah. sparked your interest that you know, and it's not about, and also just to acknowledge, couples therapy isn't always about getting back together. Sometimes yeah. it's like amicable separation, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think 
we get so caught up in the moment of our lives that whatever that turmoil is or whatever that issue is, that it can really, it can consume our minds mm-hmm. and our minds can play tricks on us. It can make us think anything. Yeah. And so part of my role is to help them step back to gain some perspective mm-hmm. because often by the time they're there, they have tunnel vision about why they hate the other person yeah. or at least very much dislike or have a gripe about something. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I really try to support them and being like, okay, let's just take a step back and just like look at the bigger picture for a second. And then you can go right back there, but just yeah. like, let's just look. <laughs> Cause they're like, I'm right. And I'm, yeah. I don't care. I'm right. So, you know, and sometimes it's like, why did you date this person? Yeah. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> it's funny. 20 years later, they'll be like, well, I, don't understand, I don't understand the question. I'd be like, you know, like 20 years ago when you met them, do you, you had that twinkle like, in your eye? Yeah. Or- why did you, why did you ask her out? Why did you ask him out? You know, yeah. why did you, why, you know? And, and then the, once they get over the, I don't understand the question. <laughs> <laughs> They're usually like, they're able to kind of sink into that place. Yeah. And, and reevaluate. And that's a really important thing to do because that helps them and me understand whether they can continue. Mm. Because oftentimes from that moment is when they're able to be like, we're too far gone from mm. that. Or, oh yeah, I can redate my partner. Or yeah. like, Oh yeah, they they actually still have those qualities. I just couldn't see it because I was so consumed by my own anger or frustration or apathy or whatever it is. And so I think even it's like being in a lock-in, like or lockdown or lock-in with your partner. Mm-hmm. So lock-ins have this shelter in place lock-in ultimately has done really good for some and like has yeah. really impacted others. And for those that have been impacted by it you can see that what's showing up is all the things they've been avoiding. Yeah. All the things they actually need to look at to Mm -hmm. see if their relationship is sustainable and that they've been able to avoid. So it's like now or never, like we're, we're in this now. So are we going to choose to figure out how to work through this or is, are we separating or, you know, like I think it's, it's very, it's real. It's very real. So no, no, it's it's super real. It's so much to take in. It's so much understanding. It's so so much development of self and everything. And so, um, you gave so much knowledge, so much inspiration. Um, I was I was just thinking about this. Um, what what advice would you give somebody who they're listening to this and maybe they're thinking about going into the, the counseling therapy field mm. um, or they've made their choice and everything that they're going into this. What advice would you give that person listening to this? Um, really um, thinking about exploring this or they know that they want to explore and go into this, into this field. I think one of the things, you know, there's so many students that are coming into their, the therapeutic field or becoming a psychologist, counseling psychology who have never done their own therapy which is interesting. Um, I would say know what it feels like to be on the other end of the chair. Mm -hmm. Know what it feels like to be a client. Um, I think that's really important because, and that whatever it is that they need to sort out there, it's important for them to begin doing that work so that they're able to step into 
the work as a therapist or counselor with integrity. Um, Because, you know, one of the things I'm always challenged around and meaning like I need to look at it on a regular basis is, are you practicing what you preach? Yeah. Like we, very different from a lot of fields is that we are the vessel that does the healing work. Yeah. So you got to, you got to take care of your mind. You have to take care of your body and you have to make sure that you're in check because if you're not, then you're not actually doing this work with integrity, at least for me. Yeah. 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 Cause I, I just hold it with that level of integrity. And it's not that I don't have problems. Like I've yeah. been divorced. People will be like, you're a marriage family therapist. How have you been divorced? I'd be like, <laughs> sometimes you aren't meant to be with everybody forever. That's just, you know, they're like, but, what the hell? Then we're all doomed. Like, and, and you know, and I'm like, eh, I guess you could look at it that way. Yeah, they are. Yeah. I mean, that's really, <laughs> it's, it's like when people go into couples therapy and if the, the person they feel like isn't uh, in a marriage or dating or for strong, right. they're like, well, what the hell are you going to tell me? Right. <laughs> and, and you know what? That's so fair. Such a fair yeah. question. But we all know that just because you haven't gone through every single lived experience that your client has gone through, that you wouldn't be affected. So, you know, there's that. And um, I think there's a lot that I've gained and learned yeah. from being divorced as well. Um, but I also feel like even in that moment, that isn't, that's practicing what you preach in that moment isn't staying in the marriage no matter what yeah. mm-hmm. right it's man what happened here what's a learning opportunity yeah. and how i just found myself actually so much more beneficial to my couples mm-hmm. um even ones who have been in the marriage for yeah. ever and and those who have been divorced or separated or have been married 20 times yeah. um so you know i think um i think it's important to do your own work I think it's important to find the right program. Mm -hmm. Not every counseling program is mutually good. I mean, that's just the reality. And so do your research, find the right program um, that fits you. That's right for you. And some of that is a lot of programs have a, have a mission or a philosophy that they practice under. And so very much like finding the right fit for the right therapist, finding the right fit for the right program. I think is important. It's not the most important, but it's something to consider. Um, and also there's multiple um, avenues you can take to become a therapist. Mm-hmm. So those are ones to look at. Do I want to be a psychologist, which is doctorate, yeah. PsyD or PhD, which have their own kind of pathways? Do I want to be an MFT? Do I want to be an LPCC or do I want to be an LCSW? Those are generally the clinical tracks that you're looking at um, coming into the field of uh, therapy or psychiatry. So that would be like MD and then you do your specialization in psychiatry. So it's a a physician. Um, So those are some things to begin to consider and to begin to look at. And I would say that's a really good starting point. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely like one of, like like what you touched on, one of the phrases I would never forget um, from my my counseling program at St. Mary's was my professor, um, Ernie, I'll never forget him. Um, one of the first days in class, he told us, if you want to help somebody, you go first. Like you go first and do that work. And that's been a mantra I've kept in my life mm-hmm. when I need to challenge myself to do something because how in good faith can I then suggest to a student or somebody I'm working with mm-hmm. 
for them to tackle something in their life that's challenging and I'm not doing it in my own life. And like you said, it could look like anything. It could be me actually making a big jump that's maybe only 50, 50 miles difference, but choosing to move and get out of my comfort zone or, you know, taking on the challenge of um, starting a new company or doing different things. Those are different opportunities where that uneasiness and everything comes. That's the same conversation I can then have with a student, with a, with a client or whatever mm -hmm. um, to give them that encouragement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so very, very vital. Um, Keeney, thank you so much. Uh, this was so much fun. We're going to have more conversations and I think you'll be, <laughs> I think you'll be back yeah. on multiple times. So, um, I know there's so, just today I was like, that's a topic for another podcast. I'll write them down and we'll, we'll come back. We'll wrap back around and come to them. But if uh, people are interested in connecting with you to learning more about you, um, I know you're also big on uh, self-care and everything like you touched on earlier. Yeah, yeah. Where, where can they get in contact with you? Yeah, so two of the best ways to reach me, um, actually probably the main way to reach me is on my um, wellness Instagram. So it's simply wellness with Kini, one word, wellness with Kini. It's on my Instagram page. I post, you know, helpful self-care tips. Um, I post videos. There's like lots of good information there. You can DM me to connect. Um, I also have a website which is uh, www.kinichang.com. So kinichang.com, as easy as kind of a website could be, right? Yeah. So those are really two ways, the best two ways to reach me. Um, and yeah, I'd love to connect and share information. Yeah, and, I, and as always, I'll um, tag her and everything on all the posts that I do for this episode. Uh, that's Kini, K-I-N-I, um, just, just for you folks who may not know. <laughs> and everything so um as we get ready to close out um this is my my closing segment I, I i love to have when we have the opportunity uh what you digging on so just currently in your life keeney right now what are you digging on currently i am digging on growing my own little garden that i can cook okay. from yeah Ooh. yeah it's been so good like there's something about growing something from a seed mm -hmm. and then taking that and then putting it in the food that you make and for me it's very cultural that's another like episode food. yeah <laughs> yeah right like i'm all about like food is medicine food yeah. is medicine new episode <laughs> um food is medicine it is like it is the what we put in our body is what we are and so you yeah. know i'm i'm all about that part right now no but, that, that's that's a beautiful thing my uncle recently he's been uh growing he's doing tomatoes yeah. Um, I forget what else he's doing. Um, it's something I want to do um, definitely as well. What I'm currently digging on right now is just watching a bunch of anime, particularly anime called One Piece. Um, mm. I have recently gotten to this huge anime. It has like over a thousand episodes. Um, I'm only at a hundred or so episodes, but it's been really fun um, and being a, a sense of uh, release just with everything that's going on to just dig into a fantasy world and not um, like watch real people. Like sometimes it's just good to just watch some cartoonic kind of people and see that yeah. that's what they're going through. Yeah. So it's definitely part of my self care. So Keeney, thank you again so much. Um, I cannot wait for the next time you're on because this was so much. <laughs> it was really fun, and I, you know, it was great. It's always really great connecting with you, Doug. And you know, I definitely can see more episodes coming. Hey, look, you're gonna drop like four episodes just in this episode, so. 
we'll definitely work our way back around and then get things going. So, uh, Kenny, thank you again so much. You're welcome. Take care. You'll be safe. And until next time, peace out. Peace. This has been another episode of Dig Undug. I really hope you got something out of this. And if you did, go ahead and make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a comment below. I want to hear from you. Also, you can reach me on Instagram at digundug or email me at digundug at gmail.com. Share this with your family, friends, co-workers, and your squad. I look forward to your comments. And with that, keep digging, y'all. Peace out.